Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. In fact, it is the final Friday that we will be on the air in the year 2022. I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. She is Blaze TV contributor Jill Savage. It's the final time we will see her this year as well as the calendar is winding down. And this will be the very final Dace group, which we will get to in a moment. Feedback Friday coming your way as well. Aaron, a very quick housekeeping question, if you don't mind. I should have warned you about this. My bad. I just remembered it. I'm sorry. I have gotten approximately 40 emails in the last week about where you are, where the the Christmas music that we are playing during breaks and as bumper music came from. Can you answer that question for all those people at once right now, please? believe it's a website called Megatracks. It's a website that um, entities like The Blaze and other media outlets so use. So it's licensed. So okay. it's licensed, yeah. So I, I don't think you're going to be able to find it commercially on Amazon or anywhere. Right. That's why I kind of haven't uh, addressed that. There you go. Sorry to disappoint everybody. But yes, I don't know. Just got enough. I've probably been emailed more about that than any other topic other than uh, people's own personal questions or thoughts on the issues in the last week. People have been very impressed with the Christmas music that you have selected. How many times have I just <clears throat> sat here after the show laughing, Steve, in the month of December, after you've been like just laying waste to somebody or yes, something? Yes, I've gotten a lot of those emails too. People love oh, that. Oh, holy we're, night. <laughs> yes. We're, we're just opening our spleens and then Jingle Bells comes on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The dichotomy there, uh, but there's actually something very Christmas about that, right? It is in the yeah. midst of a in, in the midst of a very dark world, right? A light in the stable kind of a thing, yeah. right? Yeah. So there that there is it is kind of a metaphor for this time of year, of course. Uh, also, uh, this part of the show is brought to you by our friends over at Preborn. Um, speaking of uh, amid that darkness, uh, there is a light that shines, and that's preborn. They introduce mothers considering killing their children uh, to their babies via ultrasound. And once they hear that heartbeat and see precious time, uh, precious life, about 80% of the time, mom will, like my mom did when she was pregnant at 14, mom will choose life. Uh, preborn pregnancy clinics are positioned in top baby-killing areas where most abortions still take place. So they go where the battle for these lives rages the hottest, but they don't stop there. They love and support these mothers with maternity clothes, diapers, counseling, and so much more for up to two years, and all of it is free. But to make all of that free and available, they need support from people like us. For just 28 bucks, you can rescue a baby with an ultrasound. For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds. And now, through a match, your gift is doubled. 100% of your donation will go towards saving babies. And the goal is to save 50,000 Blaze babies on top of the tens of thousands that Preborn has saved already. So help us to love them both, the baby and the mom, by dialing pound 250 250, uh, and say the key word baby pound 250 say the keyword baby or donate securely at preborn.com slash steve once again that's preborn.com slash steve and with that it is time for the day screw Your weekly look at the week that was begins as it always does with issue one bleep Lord Nefarious says. 
Hi, Scott Jensen here. It's November 12th. Here in Minnesota, it's already dark and it's just four o'clock in the afternoon. It's been a dreary day, cold, chilly, windy, with a little snow in the air. It's a perfect day to give somewhat of a dreary analysis of what happened four days ago. Frankly, what happened in this election is the Republicans played at the craps table with three big issues, inflation, crime, and education. They rolled the dice on these issues over and over again. Republicans in Minnesota, in many ways, ran from the issue of abortion. The Democrats, on the other hand, they played, if you will, roulette. They put all their chips on one number, and that number was abortion. And that's where the ball stopped, and they won. In the future, I think the lesson is clear. At least it should be to Republicans. If you infringe on someone's freedom, you may well lose. You'll probably lose. When Roe v. Wade was overturned in June of 2022, hundreds of thousands and millions of Americans felt that that represented an encroachment on their freedom and their autonomy. So here we are. I think the Republicans were devastated on election night. I don't think anybody predicted this. And if we don't learn from it, we're fools. So to the issue of abortion, if you go back and study the history of abortion as a medical procedure over the centuries, this has been a challenge for humans to determine what to do for a long, long time. To me, it has a resemblance to the challenge of how do we deal with capital punishment. Some of these challenging issues will never be agreed on by 100% of the people. So in the future, I believe that I am going to continue to be that pro-life physician who's delivered hundreds of babies, but I am going to be clear about something. I am personally pro-life. From a policy perspective, I am pro-woman. There's a lot I could say about why you chose that video as the entirety of the montage. But I fear it would probably step on what the rest of this panel is going to say. So I'm going to defer for now. Jill, uh, ladies first and the guest always goes first. So what say you? Looking at that video, I knew Aaron was going to have something terrible for us coming out for the final Friday of the day's group of the year. And it's one of those things where, yes, Republicans have to enter the race and get into the arena of ideas. You've talked about it for decades. Republicans have sat on the sidelines. When, when it comes to the issue of abortion, we didn't even make it a front and center issue. And now that it's here, now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned, we we had the ability to go out and say this is why everybody come on you know join join with us and, and see the movement that we could have created and then this guy goes out there and says hey you know i'm i'm here I, i'm pro life but i'm going to be pro woman i see why 
everybody says that this is this is going to be a losing issue. Guys, if this is a losing issue, then what are we why why are we even we we joke about the two party system, but why are we even pretending that it's going to be a two party system at the end of the day? Because just just give up, just fold it and and carry on with your lives. And 2022 is terrible. 2023 is going to be worse. Here we go. Revival or bust. That's going to be it at the end of the day. Todd, I cannot think of anything I have seen in my career. More Republican Party. I mean, this is this is this is peak. This is next level. Um, I mean, we, we just blew the lid off Maslow's hierarchy of needs pyramid because I can't think of anything more on the nose quintessential Republican Party than to wave the white flag and surrender on an issue after you've already won it. I, I don't even know what to I mean. We used to mock them surrender now before it's too late. This is this is surrendering to the Japanese after you have dropped the A-bomb on Nagasaki and Hiroshima, and they have come to sign the papers at the, at the USS Missouri in Tokyo Bay. You choose to surrender then. You go, you know what? On second thought, you guys had a point. This is as Republican Party as it absolutely gets. What are your thoughts? Oh, it's worse than that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the... This is why our admonition as Christians to be careful of the beam in our own eye is so important because let's, this, this guy's a doctor and he showed tremendous courage for a long time on the issue of COVID medical freedom, etc. That that's undeniable. So we can easily caricature a lot of the bad Republicans we've seen or the, the groomers and all that stuff that, but this guy was on our side, uh, stuck his neck out just like you did, Steve yet here connecting the dots on ultimately what's vitally important and why you take risks. He walks us all the way through that. And on the issue of life, Jill, Jill does the same kind of thing we do for a living. She could be a doctor. She could be a lawyer. She could do a lot of different things. The one thing that she can do uniquely that the three of us can't do is have a child. A doctor, you'd think that's part of the one plus one equals two about how knowing how things are sciency. And yet there at the end, his exclamation point is to say, on one side, I'm pro-life and pro-baby. On the other side, I'm pro-woman. He's saying that those things are diametrically opposed to each other. <laughs> the exact opposite is true, doctor. <laughs> and furthermore, this goes more to the point of your Republican Party issue, why I want to run to see how this people turn into Gollum here. This is where he's a total fraud just as a politician. Who ran as this guy's lieutenant governor? Do you know? Hmm. Matt Burke, former... Oh, the former Bu Viking. Ardent Catholic. Yeah. Ardently pro-life. He's the one that actually was pro-life, like, yeah. on his sneakers and yeah. stuff, if I remember, so, right? Yeah. Didn't you choose him? So now you're spitting in the face of that, that that's... We can't make this political. You chose to make it political by having that guy be your running mate. What did you think? That guy has been in your face pro-life for a decade when he was playing now that he's not playing you chose him for the opposite reason you're claiming are important to republican politics now 
That's pathetic. Aaron, why did you decide to make this the last and final montage that you will do for the day script this year? It is the perfect summation of one wing of what we're up against. This is, as you said, peak Republican. I didn't even get mad when I saw that. The person who sent it to me, I just quote tweeted and said, so he's a Republican. He's just, he's just a Republican. This is, this is on the one side or one wing of the side that we're up against. We have the demonically infested spirit of the age who can't stop, won't stop accumulating and using power. And on the other wing of that side, we have guys like this and the guys in Maricopa County only willing to win elections when it doesn't offend the people they're trying to beat. And that's putting it mildly and nicely. But the other reason I chose this is because if you like this, if you like this little screed, and it pains me to say this, you're going to love what you're going to hear from your pulpits in the next five years. Because you're going to hear a lot of that. Mm-hmm. From You've the same a lot of it. ballless yep. men without chest who infest the pulpits at many churches around the country. That's your Mike Pence as soon As soon as they start to feel the heat. Well, you know, gay marriage is a complicated issue. We've disagreed with this for thousands of years. Well, you know, transgenderism is a complicated issue. We've dealt with this for thousands of years. Well, you know, transhumanism, it's a difficult issue. We've dealt with this for a thousand years. So uh, while I am personally thus, I am uh, publicly and in our church and doctrinally, we're changing to this. Please don't hurt us. You're going to hear a lot more of that. And that is painful to say. It should be painful to say. But you're going to hear a hell of a lot more like uh, like Scott Jensen. He's just a politician. You're going to hear that from your pastors and mass, barring revival, very, very quickly. Thanks to the same Republicans in Congress who just sick the government on your church. I'll say it again. And we talked about this yesterday. <clears throat> if if the Lord told us at the beginning of this year, you, uh, you have a choice overturning of Roe v. Wade or more Republicans like Joni Ernst and Scott Jensen get elected, get power mm-hmm. and give you quote unquote red wave majorities. What would you have chosen? And we all said what yesterday? Roe. We all would have chosen the overturning of Roe. Yeah. And that's exactly what the Lord gave us before we even asked for that choice. That's exactly what he gave us. Mm-hmm. But we would have chosen anyway. Because all things work together for the glory of God and for those called according to his purposes. So it worked out it worked out the way it was supposed to anyway. What would be the point of empowering that individual? And yeah, I know he was great on COVID stuff, but if you think that guy, uh, to quote the, uh, the great prophet, the Joker, I know the squealers. If you think that guy who talked a good game for the last two years about lockdowns and masks and everything else, if you think the first time the feds came in and threatened some kind of Medicare funding or something, if he didn't go along, you know what I'm sorry? I mean, if he wouldn't impose or if he wouldn't enforce as governor, if you think that guy in that video, when empowered, not when he can, not when he can be just a voice in a legislature, but when empowered unilaterally as the chief executive officer of Minnesota, if you think that guy is standing up to the spirit of the age on anything, anything, then you probably bought a Donald Trump NFT yesterday. Hell no. Not happening. 
And Aaron, I'm glad I didn't say what I was going to say because it's exactly what you said. You're losing your country not because of the spirit of the age. You outnumber them. We outflank them. And they're not any smarter. They're just unopposed. Jill can tell you, as a sports reporter, how great the other team looks when there's no opposition. They look great. She's in the heart of Nashville. How good does Vanderbilt look against armpit A&M? What's it look like against Alabama? When there's no opposition, everybody looks incredible, powerful, unbeatable. There's no real opposition. Because most of the boys who can shave, most of the males, not men, who inhabit your positions of leadership and quote-unquote opposition in this culture are the dude in that video. And he is legion. It's a question on a scale of 1 to 10. With one representing the amount of women Lindsey Graham has enjoyed kissing under the mistletoe. You know what's coming. I do. And 10 being the amount of times Lindsey Graham has enjoyed playing Santa going up the chimney. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> Rank this week's level of total depravity. Testify. 10. Jill. 10. You can't get any worse than, than what we just saw there in that montage. I'm at 100. It shouldn't be easier to stand up right now. It should not be any easier exactly. than it is right now to take a stand, and we still can't do it. No. No. Nope. Did you? There's no such thing. I know we're not sure nowadays about what we can actually accomplish and do in medicine, but there is no such thing as a testicular transplant. Can't take balls from somebody and put them into somebody else. Issue two, Grant Wall and the cautionary tale of died suddenly. The premier American soccer journalist Grant Wall keeled over and died suddenly while covering the World Cup in Qatar. Wall was 48 years old and had no known chronic conditions. Speculation swirled from leftist Blue Anon types that Wall was assassinated by some Muslim faction over his vocal support of the Rainbow Jihad. His wife went on CBS to reveal his cause of death. So he had an autopsy done here in New York by the New York City Medical Examiner's Office, and it showed that he had an aortic aneurysm um, that ruptured. Means what? Okay. So uh, aorta, that's the big blood vessel that comes out of your heart, sort of the trunk of all the blood vessels. And uh, an aneurysm is a ballooning of the uh, blood vessel wall. And so it's weak. And it's just one of these things that had been likely brewing for years. um, And for whatever reason, it happened at this point in time. Let's get to the first question. True or false? Until the regime en masse starts allowing the truth, let alone telling the truth, about the jabs into the mainstream, we should just automatically assume on our end that all cases of died suddenly, all of them, are indeed from the jab until proven otherwise. True or false, Todd? Absolutely. Absolutely. I just did this yesterday online in an argument um, because it, it, it will... It's one of the only thing that is going to force the issue 
by being that unsufferable of it. This is what I call the David French principle or arrest Katie Hobbs principle. Sometimes you just, you've got to, there's no other nuanced way to say the things that need to be said. You say it again and again, and you let them know, I'm never going away on this. Mm -hmm. And that's what needs to be done because and it's great we're talking about this after what we just talked about with Scott Jensen. This is what I mean by invincible ignorance. That's his wife. Will nothing wake her up? Because Dr. Ryan Cole has been saying recently, yes, warning, this is warning exactly, about this very thing. Yes, yes, this is exactly what happens. And she can't be moved. Her husband is dead. And she still is doing the hum and a hum and a hum and a hum. So what else? We, we have to stand on that wall. We can't go away. And yes, we have got to say that thing. Because yes, on the odd chance that statistically he may, he this may have not happened to him, this is happening too much to too many people. Of course, the jab is doing it. So if you insist on being a cult, we must insist on not failing to remind you the consequences of being in that cult. Jill, I, I shared a tweet this morning from a medical dissenter, Dr. James E. Olson. He is a genetic engineer from Johns Hopkins uh, and was involved there in biomedical and cancer research. And he has become one of these dissenters against the COVID jabs. Here's what he tweeted this morning. Quote, I talked to a woman at the church yesterday who's had severe Bell's palsy, and she looked very sick and defeated. She said she was on COVID jab number five, and she was still going to go get number six. It was a tragic scene, and I realized that many people are so brainwashed that they may be beyond hope. To which I tweeted back to him, you just described a cult. True. Absolutely true. And I think that every case of died suddenly to answer this other question, we have to say this is the result of the COVID jab until proven otherwise, because we are going to be right in more cases than we are not. And until they can open their eyes, guys, let's let's talk about the other issue in the in the Grant Wall case specifically, where his brother is gay, he wore the rainbow shirt over to the World Cup and his brother came out in a video and said, I think I'm the reason yeah, that yeah. my brother died. Yeah. They would rather have Grant Wall died, killed, however, however it was going to happen, because he was standing up for gay rights. They wanted that to be the narrative. They pushed that to be the narrative. Now that we see that it's something right in line with what Dr. Ryan Cole is saying is part of died suddenly, crickets. No one wants to talk about this. It goes against what they have internally said is their savior. This is going to be something that we had to do. And it was December 8th, 2021 was the federal mandate for the COVID jab, and we get a Mike Leach dying suddenly of a heart attack. And mm -hmm. it was part of the Mississippi state law that if you were a university employee, mm -hmm. you had to be vaccinated by that date. A known health well, nut. I just look Mike, Mike and I say, Leach, how many times is this going to have to happen? Mike Leach was a known health nut. Um, I'm a big, I, I'm a big serious XM listener, particularly in the off season. That's where I keep up with my football news. In between coaching gigs, he used to be a host on there for example, and dude would, would be late coming back from breaks, doing push-ups, swimming laps. He was a known health nut, 61 years old, and out of nowhere, dead about 17 years below the, the, uh, the average age 
life expectancy age of an American male in America, despite the fact he's wealthy, probably getting some of the best health care money can buy. Could it, could it be, could it just be a tragedy? Sure. Is it, is it as, is it as surprising when a 62 year old just drops dead of a heart attack compared to somebody Grant Wall's age typically? No, No, of course not. But again, because they won't tell us the truth. The White House up there still has that dude lying yesterday saying, yeah. well, we know that we'll stop the spread of COVID if you all just go out there and get jabbed. Th- these things just aren't true. They're not true. Period. It, it, we're, not, we're not talking data analysis. The data itself, not true. So until they stop lying, we should counter Aaron by just assuming on our platforms and in our media We should counter right away with the assumption that all cases have died suddenly when it involves seizures, strokes, or the heart, all of them with nobody with any that's not obese and no pre-existing conditions. We automatically should assume on all of our narratives that it was a case of the jab every time. There are surely a few people listening to that who get a little uncomfortable well, I, we need to verify, you know, we have not been able to, you know, a doctor has not been able to to link this for sure with, uh, you know, co- you know, correlation doesn't equal causation, that type of thing. Prior to 2020, Todd or I or Steve comes into the studio with the sniffles, with a cough, runny nose. What do we assume they have? A cold. You don't know it's a cold. You you don't know what kind of virus it is. It could have been a coronavirus. It could have been a rhinovirus. It could have been any number of viruses. No, this is this is the kind of the same. Nobody blames you for saying, "Oh, I just assume you have a cold." There, you could have had the flu. Could have some, uh, you know, many other things. Heck, you could have had some sort of uh, stomach bug or something like that that presents with the same symptoms. But yet nobody nobody challenges you for just saying, "Oh, it's just a common cold." Prior to 2020, then everything was COVID. Same thing is true here. Any one of those, any one of those uh, causes, whether it's the seizure, whether it's a heart issue, something like that, in a person that you would not expect it to happen to, automatically it's the common died suddenly. Yep. And I will be happy when we find a cure for the common died suddenly, which we, but we already do. We already know what that is, but we just don't want to talk about that as Todd has said. What worries me, what worries me again is that there's just not it's not even not even close to consider not even with within a mile of consideration that you might link those two things vaccination jabbing uh, jabbing and and dying suddenly with some of these people his wife his widow now what you know for a multi-year she pimped the jab yeah. on her twitter feed for the last two years i can't tell you how many times I, I went i didn't know who the hell grant wall was until he sat at chat tragically passed away did some research how many times he tweeted out you should be denied health care oh, yeah. yeah. you should be forcibly jabbed yes. we should lie to people and tell them we're giving them something else and give them the covid jab yeah. anyway okay so there you go exit question is there a critical mass of deaths Within regime compliant VIPs slash celebrities like a Grant Wall that would finally force the regime's hand to come hand to come clean about the poisonous jab. Is there any critical mass, whether it's a volume or it's an individual that would force them or is it what Jill said? Hey, when they thought it was a hate crime, they were going to they talked about this on every platform. The minute his aorta ruptured. Wrecked him, barely knew him. I've never heard of Grant Wall. Never have got freaking. We're the only ones still talking about Grant Wall. They're not. Which is it? Could we reach a critical mass, do you think, Todd? 
I actually believe we could, but it's going to take a lot more than anybody thinks. Uh, because I, I even I would have thought if we would have had what we've seen so far, mm-hmm. we'd have something closer to at least a real conversation. We still can't even get that. What do you think, Aaron? We're at a point now where most people, basically everybody, I, I do, at least a couple of people, everybody knows somebody who has been negatively Im- impacted or have had health concerns pop up after taking the jab that they mm-hmm. did not previously have. And yet we're still doing the humming, humming, as Todd said. I'm going to say at this point, no. And I just I'm doing that as an emotional edge. I just I don't want to believe I don't want to believe that. But I just think at this point, the answer is no. Jill. They're going down with the ship. I think that when you look at the, the fact that they're still coming out and saying, everybody, go get jabbed. We Like you said, we know the data at this point in time. And we talk about died suddenly, but we could also talk about all of the cancers that are coming out and, and extend died suddenly to like what Aaron is saying, all, all of the other issues that are going to be coming through this. It's not going to be a number large enough for the regime in our minds. For them to, to say, oh, yeah, by the way, guys, this is what did it. Colts always hurt, if not kill, the ones they claim to love. Yes. Every time. It turns out like this. And it's tragic, man. Just yeah. absolutely sad and tragic. But what can you do against such reckless ignorance? We'll come back. More of the Dace Group in a moment. We are at a tipping point in America. With 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family, Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen, a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson-Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at Prestonwood.org slash chosen. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, and you know in these... Unprecedented times. Thanks. Make sure before you get into what, what is a stressful process, even in the best of environments, even when the country is not being run by a shadowy cabal whose storefront is a dementia riddled hair smeller. And just contemplate that everything I just actually said, as weird and terrible as it sounds, is true. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Even when that's not true, when that's not where we are, buying and selling at home or trying to do both at the same time can be a very stressful process. So how much more stressful is it when those things that I just mentioned, unmentionables, are true? That's why make sure you do not go in without an agent you can trust, and you'll find them right now at realestateagentsitrust.com. Just go there today, provide us some basic info, and then our team will reach out to you with an agent that will come recommended after they have been vetted. We make sure they have earned our trust before we entrust you to them. So head over to realestateagentsitrust.com. 
That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Let's continue on as we welcome back Blaze TV contributor Jill Savage here for the Days Group. Uh, let's get back to the weekly look at the week that was with issue three. DeSantis goes there. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announced this week he's petitioning the Supreme Court of Florida to impanel a grand jury to investigate Pfizer and Moderna over their misleading claims about the COVID jabs, among other measures. We'll be able to get the data whether they want to give it or not, uh, because in Florida, you know, it is against the law to mislead and to misrepresent, particularly when you're talking about the efficacy of a drug. Uh, we see just the other, uh, just recently, Florida got $3.2 billion through legal action against those responsible for the opioid crisis. And so it's not like this is something that's unprecedented. So today uh, I'm announcing uh, a petition with the Supreme Court of Florida to impanel a statewide grand jury to investigate any and all wrongdoing in Florida with respect to COVID-19 vaccines. And we anticipate that we will get the approval for that uh, that will be something that will be impaneled, most likely in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, and that will come with legal processes that will be able uh, to get more information and to bring legal accountability for those who committed misconduct. In that announcement, uh, DeSantis also announced a separate inquiry into similar matters via his branch as well. Um, so let's get to the first question here, Aaron. I will start with you. Your immediate reaction when you heard this news? I think the grand jury part of this here is is definitely key. And I don't know if you picked up on this kind of, uh, and maybe maybe this is maybe he's tipping his hand here a little bit as far as what the what the strategy will be. But when he compared the COVID jabs to the opioid crisis. I think that is key Mm -hmm. because the opioid crisis, and he said it in a way that's like, hey, we got billions of dollars off of this because of uh, misleading claims and uh, haphazard uh, uh, handling of that from from pharmaceutical companies. You know, so this is not out of the ordinary here. And the opioid epidemic is something universally left and right is agreed as a major problem. I think that part uh, may be key here, but overall... A state, again, like Florida, the size of Florida. I also saw that uh, Joe Latipo, the Florida Surgeon General, is going to be conducting a survey of sorts to try to link sudden deaths or see if there is a link between reports of sudden deaths and myocarditis and vax uptake. I think all of these things are, or I at least have the potential of breaking this wide open. And I discussed and I expressed my uh, trepidation or trepidation, trepidation with thinking that there's going to be a critical mass. If you want a critical mass, it could explode from something like this because they are going to have access to subpoenas and be, have access to internal documents from these companies that probably we haven't had access to yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In order to um, in order to kind of pin them down, I don't think it's going to be that hard, really, to do, because we have Albert Bula, Burla, the CEO of Pfizer, early on in the uh, COVID jab rollout, saying that it was like a hundred percent effective. Um, that should be pretty easy. That should be pretty easy to bring down. So, I'm I'm not even cautiously optimistic about this. I am just optimistic that this actually could bring some accountability 
some accountability to these manufacturers. Next, I want accountability for the people in government that pushed them, but I think uh, I think his actions in the executive branch there in Florida will maybe have the best chance of doing that. Jill, going back to the topic we discussed with Grant Wall last segment, if we all come to the conclusion that there is no critical mass within the cult that will cause them to understand drink, taking another round of Kool-Aid, they're the only ones getting poisoned. You're poisoning yourself. We're, we're out. We've, we've tapped out, man. We're, we're done. Okay? So you're just doing this to your own genetic supply. If, if there is no data or volume of their own people that they will bury, that will cause them to come to the critical mass, as you guys asserted last segment, then that only leaves one option. If you cannot proselytize or persuade or evangelize a cult, you have to crush it. That's the only other option. You have to crush it before it metastasizes and spreads and engulfs more people. And that looks like what they're about to try to do in Florida. I, I look at Aaron's response and he gave the, the brilliant legal a, a analysis of that. But when I look at this and in, in what you just said, Steve, it's always the right time to shine the light on the problem. We are never going to have a, pro a, a an issue that says, okay, you know what, let's just let this live in the darkness. What DeSantis is doing is bringing all these issues forward and saying, let's find out. And I, I love that because it not only is a brilliant political move and it d differentiates Ron DeSantis with Donald Trump without even saying Donald Trump's name, but you go through and it gives the, the side that he is going to be fighting for, the base that he needs, it's red meat for us. We are finally going to get some answers. Somebody is out there. We are going to feel like is fighting for us. They see us mm -hmm. in this issue, which is which is one of the biggest that we have been facing now for the last two years is saying, hey, what are we going to do about COVID? And then the jabs came along and we say, guys, everybody's dying suddenly. What's happening right now? We need answers. We know that the mainstream media is going to ignore this like they have done several other issues. But for with those with eyes to see and ears to hear, we are going to have answers. And that is always a good thing. Todd? It tells me two things. A, fundamentally, before doing anything political, he's driven by doing what's right. Because Ron DeSantis, while not being a vaccine slappy, not demanding mandates, is on record, it's on camera, saying very positive things about if you take the vaccine, as many people thought. They, they just believed what they were told, trust the experts. But he realized he was wrong, and he wants to fix it, because fixing it is right. That gives me great, great hope in him going forward. I had a lot of hope of him beforehand, but the fact that he's not just being a politician, pretending he didn't saying it, kind of walking away from mm -hmm. this issue. Mm -hmm. Secondly, again, he's just, this is like everything, he's just, he's just a dude. He, he acts. Through most of human history, men had to get up early and they had to act they had to hunt they had to farm they had to go to the factory they had to fight they, they had to fight there was physicality to it you had to act and we are now such a bunch of holier than now smarter than anybody's ever been scott jensen's desk jockeys who talk and talk and talk and talk and hey we talk for a living but I'll take, by now, if you don't believe it, the three of us also take it to the bank. We act in our personal lives. We've done it politically. In every way we can, we've done it at great personal cost. 
He's willing to do that. So many men aren't. The thing that's, first of all, extremely well said, Todd. The thing that I marvel at with DeSantis is most of our lives, there has been a tension in the Republican Party between, or a perceived tension, between doing what is right and then doing what is politically expedient. Yeah. He has he has found a third way and cracked the code that doing what is right is actually what is politically expedient. Let me let me explain how this works on multiple levels. And and Jill kind of touched on it a little bit with the DeSantis Trump, you know, presidential race that we're on the brink of for next year. He doesn't even have just like just like this differentiates himself from Trump without saying him his saying his name. You know, the, the, the needle that DeSantis has to threat is that he actually, for the most part, not entirely, but for the most part, comes from the same sort of DNA, you know, uh, pool on the right that gave birth to Donald Trump. There's a lot of that's why Trump supported him. That's why. Right. OK, so you have to thread a needle where. You're running for the guy that has, has, has previously represented your faction, and you're running to replace him. But if you're, if, it's, if you're too nasty to him, you could very well turn off some of the very people you need to get to vote for you. That's not an easy needle to thread, particularly mm-hmm. for the kind of man you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, it's, you, you give a dog a bone or you give a mouse a cookie, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So put, put Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump up on a stage and say, hey, don't pugilist. Good luck with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So is there a way to deflect the conversation? And he, imagine, forget going for the zinger on Trump. I don't think that actually, in this case, works to his benefit as much as this does. Listen, I followed the same recommendations originally that the president did, okay? And, and now all I have done is when the data came in and showed that lockdowns weren't saving anybody, we stopped doing them. When the, when the data came in, we, I believe the same assumptions and that were, came from good faith from the same career bureaucrats that, Donald, that President Trump did. And then when the data came in that showed the jabs weren't working and then maybe were doing bad things to people, I simply acted on the data. You see what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. Where now you have come, you have, you don't even have to worry about how to thread that needle. And just simply say, you, you actually, you want to talk about pouring hot coals on somebody's head. You actually give Trump the benefit of the doubt and can afford to do that because you're the one that's actually acting on his mistakes at the same time. But there are other bodies doing those actions that are then feeding you data as opposed to it's you versus him. Is, you know yeah. what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. And so this is, again, where, and this is what I've tried to say to so many Republicans I've had access to my entire career. This is a false choice. Good policy is good politics, and good politics is good policy. Doing the right thing, being a good public servant, is good politically. Those, you're feeling a tension that need not exist here. That doesn't mean, you know, you, you unveil things, don't unveil things at strategic times. You don't push for certain, you know, uh, boundaries at certain times. I'm not throwing, I'm the last person to say, hey, no strategy at all. I'm freaking obsessed with it. But, but this is a false dichotomy. It's a false choice. Yes, it is. All right. And that's what he has, that's the nut that he has cracked, is that if I actually govern for people well, they'll let me use my power to do pretty much anything my agenda wants wants it to do and that's what needs to be emulated nationwide exit question fill in the blank 12 months from now the desantis probes into the poisonous jab will result in blank aaron i believe there will result at minimum of hefty 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 fines on these companies 
I wish it was more, but I think that's the minimum that they will result in. Okay. Jill. Yeah, several lawsuits, because that's what has to happen if anything is going to change. So lawsuits is going to be the way to go. Todd. I love that answer, but a definitive coming out one way or the other from Donald Trump on this issue. Meaning he'll have to take, because of what comes out, he'll have to come clean one way or the other. And because of the guy who's doing it. Yeah. All right, kicker issue this week. Issue four. Other than the jab, if you could order a grand jury investigation into one thing, what would it be and why, Todd? A definitive verdict on um, elections as it applies to early voting and voting machines. The, the degree to which there is fraud uh, that uh, has occurred now in two straight elections. I, I think overwhelming majority of this audience would say here, here on that one. Jill. I'm always intrigued by the Las Vegas shooting. I don't know why this one is as unique as it was, but it's the largest mass shooting in United States history. And we know nothing about it. Old white male did all those killings, the perfect foil to run your gun control agenda and confiscation agenda against. And yet they want nothing to do with that story going back to when it occurred a few years ago. Great point. Aaron. CIA and FBI control or influence of our major media and broadcast. And I'm including social media on that uh, entities. I think there's a lot more there there Uh, based on some of the Twitter files we already have. There's a lot more there there than we originally even even contemplated let's get to predictions Aaron I'll go back to you uh let's see so I think uh looking at the uh, upcoming final four weeks of the NFL season I'm still going to keep with my prediction of the Chiefs uh in the Super Bowl uh I am throwing away the Rams I predicted that at the end of the season I believe they will actually defeat the uh, Philadelphia Eagles it's going to be a kind of coming home or against the uh old team that he coached um, deal for Andy Reid. So you want an Eagles Chiefs Super Bowl? Yep. Aaron, of course, shocking everybody by predicting his favorite team to the <laughs> Super Bowl. Todd, I'm actually reading what I believe to be the lay of the land uh, here information. I know that as it comes in, but I think Nefarious is going to be a top ten grossing movie. I, I, I can't even contemplate something like that. But no, I. Coattails, baby. Coattails. I think you you shouldn't. You're too close to it. I've contemplated the actual layout. And one thing, one variable I'll just share is that it's movies these days. I said it yesterday. This is what got me thinking about it. Movies suck. No one wants to go there. I'm just saying it's so that if if this was the movies of 10 years ago, 20 years ago, the volume that Mm -hmm. would come in, the quality, there's just. It's a very good movie surrounded by sucky. So this is more of a fade of the current industry, which I completely respect. And I I know you would, but it's it's good enough to be in there. And there's just not a lot of competition. It's going to be a top ten movie. I think you're talking about this being a hundred million plus movie for your prediction to come true. And if that happens, y'all, it might be peace out. Just going (laughs) to warn you. Okay. I I think it could be. I I and I'm I'm serious. I think it definitely could be ROI top ten for sure. Easy. That I think is possible, meaning what was spent to what it made. Yep. That I do think it's possible. Total gross is a tougher nut to crack, but that I think is it's possible. Okay, Jill, go ahead. On all that positivity, 2023 is going to say you ain't seen nothing yet to 2022, but those in this audience will become more resilient, more God-fearing, and the people that we need at this time. My prediction is don't panic. We are still on the air next week. Okay. But when we come back here for our first show uh, of 2023 on January 9th, 2023, 
that evening, we will be looking ahead to a Michigan-Ohio State rematch in the college football national championship game. That's my prediction for this week. I just thought, why should Aaron be the only one busting out here homer picks? What's more shocking? On some of that. Me doing a homer pick or you falling for the Detroit Lions banana in the tailpipe again? I think we all know the answer to that. Yes. But it is a cool hoodie. It is a cool hoodie. Jill, Merry Christmas. Good to see you as always. All right, take care. Merry Christmas to you. I'll fight Todd for those coattails any day now. (laughs) All right, thank you. We'll come back. Feedback Friday is next. All right, back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erz and Aaron McIntyre, all of you. And you can let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show over on Twitter and Getter, Instagram, and TikTok, and get clips of the show free of any censorship and free to watch when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. That's rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Aaron, I had an idea this morning, and you tell me if this was dumb. Okay? Okay. So it's, it's debatable, Facebook or YouTube, which is, the big, which is the largest social media platform in the world right sure, now? Sure, sure. All right? And, and, and we have no juice on either one. We're just banned on both of them. We're suppressed on both of them constantly, right? Okay. Yeah. What if in the new year... We did like a, a three to five minute clip on this show every day with, with, we run a disclaimer to remind the audience, I don't really believe what I am about to say, but it is like three to five minutes of me just doing a tangent on regime approved talking points and affirming them. And we put that on our YouTube page every day as an exclusive clip of today's show. Just what could it hurt? What just, could it hurt? Just complete subversiveness. We just, you know, it's literally just me BSing for three to five minutes. Like, this is what the show is. It's me approving their narratives. What and, if you... And we, we put it on YouTube every day as an exclusive clip of the show. Could we trick the algorithm uh, at YouTube if we did that? I have an even better idea. Hmm. I think this would get a lot of views. Do you know how to speak Pig Latin? I don't, but I could probably just like say a bunch of gibberish and make people think that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Speak in code. An I, easily discernible I like code. where 2023 is headed. <laughs> just, just go on. Just every day, we just take three or five minutes aside, and it's just me repeating the talking points and affirming them of whatever the issues of the day that we're discussing are. And we have a, we have a disclaimer, so the audience knows he doesn't believe any of this. But it's just done simply to reestablish that some presence on the largest social media platform in the world. Yeah. The fly in the ointment. Yeah. The monkey in the ranch. Just get our camel's nose under the tent, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just a thought. All right. This portion of the show. <laughs> just, a, just a meandering thought. <laughs> I Sharing really, with all of you. I, it was literally the first thought I had this morning. That's just spitballing here. Yeah, just, what if we just lied to everybody? That was the first <laughs> thought that I had today. That's what I said. I like where this is going. <laughs> Uh, in the last, if the last couple of years have taught us anything, it is to make sure we are prepared independently. So because the system is always trying to lie, always trying to kill us. Uh, depopulation is the word. When I was a kid, Greece was the word. 
Depopulation is the word now. That's why you want to sign up with our friends over at Jace Medical. Get the Jace case, which is a pack of five different courses of venerable antibiotics, which could be the very next ones that they tell you suddenly are dangerous and can't be used when you need it the most. You know, like they just did during COVID, for example. Uh, JaceMedical.com is where you want to go. J as in jump at this right now. J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Use the offer code DACE10 at checkout. You'll get 10% off, or $10 off, I should say. $10 off your order when you do. For example, you've heard about the amoxicillin shortage right now. Amoxicillin is part of the Jace case right now. So give yourself that kind of peace of mind, especially now that winter is here. jacemedical.com. Use the offer code DACE10 at checkout for $10 off. All right, you guys ready for some Feedback Friday? You bet. Yes. Let us begin with this note from uh, Jason Rowland. I used to be polite and eat my mother-in-law's green bean casserole. I don't hate it as much as you, but it is dreck. After hearing you talk about it this year, which I think you set a show record for green bean casserole contempt mentions, I decided this Thanksgiving to say F it and didn't eat any of it, and it was glorious. They also like to make that crap at Christmas, and I said, if you're coming to my house, we'll have green beans only, but none of that damn casserole, because some things are worth fighting for. My man. thought you were a man of substance, Jason. My man. See? Let's find out, right? He put that into practice. Let's find out. And was able to save his, save his home from further exposure to the scourge known as green bean casserole. I'd just like to say my selfie of me eating your mother-in-law's green bean casserole might be the most liked thing I've ever posted, <laughs> ever. I'm not even kidding. Sometimes, brother, it's better to be lucky than good. I was happy <laughs> to lose that competition, indeed. All right, uh, on a more serious front, America is not red versus blue. We are red versus beige and blue. The beige believe in the system, but they don't know why, and they don't want to. They trust it because that's just easier. It's comfortable. Why do you beige vote blue? Why do the beige why do the why do the beige vote blue? English is a second language. Red candidate. Well, we have problems and the system is at the center of them, but we can solve them if we work together. That means thinking for ourselves instead of letting the system do our thinking for us. Blue candidate. We have problems and the system can solve them with your support. No need to think for yourselves. Just trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in yourself. To the beige, blue sounds a lot more inviting. A lot more comfortable than red. Who's beige? If you live in a subdivision with an HOA that only allows you to paint the house you, you own in one of five nearly identical colors, and you're okay with that, you're beige. If you trust public schools blindly to educate, you're beige. If you accept court opinions as the law of the land, you're beige. If you think that health care paid for by insurance and government is healthy, you're beige. If you won't speak up against mutilating children to validate sexual delusions, you're beige. In general, if you self-censor to avoid confrontation, you're beige. I've spent a lot of time in my life in the beige zone, but God is bleaching the beige out of me and hopefully out of all of us. That is from Jeff Payne. Love that, Jeff. You are paraphrasing Russell Brand. That's what he spends a lot of his time doing. There's an actor, comedian, former drug addict. He's not out there and he tells you all the time when I see when you see these clips that go viral. He's not claiming to be Republican, Democrat, or anything. He is very much spending time reminding you how beige your existence has become, A, and B, how the nefarious ones use that to their advantage. And I use that word intentionally because that's also uh, either reading between the lines or far more overtly with a hammer over your head why Steve initially wrote that book. Aaron, you have any thoughts on that? Love it. I mean, this is... 
this is kind of along the lines of the khaki pants. I mean, what color is what color are khakis? I mean, they're they're beige, and that's kind of the colloquial term we use for men without chest, the khaki pant wearing uh, pastor or what have you, uh, that won't stand up in your local church or community. And um, it also, I mean, uh, Reagan's speech: no, no beiges, just no pale pastels, mm-hmm. bold colors. Mm-hmm. What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? You don't. You don't have anything to lose right now. And I love this because, again, it's a reframing of the way that we're thinking. We're not conserving. There's nothing to conserve here anymore, at least nothing meaningful in our major institutions. We are insurgents. Insurgents can't be beige. Great note. The country we were trying to conserve is gone. What has replaced it, we don't need to save. We need to defeat. We need to defeat what has replaced it. I mean, I would put it differently, but given the limitations of his worldview, what Elon Musk said recently applies here. Until the woke hive mind virus is defeated, nothing else matters. Now, I would... Now, he's trying to put a framework and a face on something that the limits of his own worldview don't completely grasp and no man no matter how brilliant they are can rise above their own Mm -hmm. worldview you can't know what you do not know right but in essence he is saying the same thing that we are in his own understanding which is the spirit of the age has a full grip over this landmass known as the united states of america now the best you could say the nicest thing you could say that we are trying to do is an exorcism. That's the nicest thing you could say. And those, you know, don't typically go smoothly. The nicest thing you could say is that we are conducting a cultural exorcism. But we're not, we're not trying to save this country on this show. We're trying to defeat it. This is an enemy country occupying this landmass. We have been invaded. We're trying to push the Visigoths back over the wall. Pam writes, let's say each of you are Trump for a day. Question. Ask Trump, why do you think the red wave trickled? And then let's say each of you are Ron DeSantis for a day. Ask him the same question. Why do you think the red wave trickled? What answers do you think each of them would give? You want to take the first crack at this one? I don't even, I don't, I don't care what Donald Trump would say. I just, I, I mean, and he's just the weather. He's just the environment. And it's, it, it have asking hypotheticals like this, versus Donald Trump have just not really worked out. Just accept a man uh, for what he is. I'd ask, as for uh, DeSantis, I'd ask you to see what I said previously about uh, who he is, because there's too many people uh, in this party who are thinking about politics before doing what is right. Which does not to say politics is important, but you have it exactly bas- ba- backwards. There's a hierarchy of truth here. Do what's right, and then think about how the politics can be used to make that happen, which is what you talked about last hour. Aaron, 
how would you answer Pam's <sighs> challenge? What do you think each of those two men, which, what, what do you think it's, their answers would be as to why the red wave trickled? Donald Trump and who else? Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis. Um, with Donald Trump, I would, I would probably immediately pivot... I actually don't think the answer of Donald Trump is easier than Ron DeSantis. I would immediately pivot to, again, my trope of just making my middle name Mitch McConnell sucks. I would immediately pivot to that. Um, with Ron DeSantis, I, I would immediately just say, hey, nobody's like me. We stood up for parents effectively, fearlessly, boldly. Had a lot of other great candidates, but they didn't do it the way that we did. I would just say, how do you like me now? How do you like them apples? Because um, I really don't know. I, don't, I can't even fathom how they would respond, but that's how, I would, that's how I would advise them to respond. I think that they would each give answers that there's at least some, if not a totality of truth to. I, I think that Trump would make, and they'd both give answers that would be personal actually. Um, I mean, let's face it. Neither one of these guys lacks for ego. Okay. I mean, DeSantis may not be um, as his, his may not be as driven by the personal beef as Trump's is, but you know, neither one of these guys is hesitant about throwing their proverbial weight around when they enter into a room. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I think they would both give answers that are personal to them. I think Trump would say that the Republican Party basically abandoned him and his base and the issues they stood for that reinvigorated the country when he was president. And I think that there's an immense amount of truth to that, maybe a totality of truth to that, actually. Uh, and then I, I think... Um, but, but they would counter with, yeah, the country was great, but they didn't like you. And that's why they lost. I mean, that's how they would counter him, even though I agree with his analysis. And I think DeSantis would say that, um, they stood for something. They governed well. They took tough positions, uh, on behalf of the people and the people rewarded them as such, which are variations on similar themes. But I think that's how they each would probably answer that question. And since uh, they didn't pussyfoot in Florida, because they didn't kowtow in Florida, because they don't hate their own base in Florida, you know, he basically had Reagan 84 on election night when the rest of the red wave trickled. That's what I think he would say. Thoughts on those answers? Mm, I just don't. The man just has so little introspection on himself and the whole notion of i mean he he abandons Are we talking, who's the who's the who's the oh, man? i'm sorry trump okay. he, see he abandons the things he claims to believe in all the time so why shouldn't anybody else i mean if every candidate he gave us was uh was carrie lake it'd be one thing and we rejected all that i mean you gave us dr oz i mean this is not you would we you've said this from the beginning you'd like you were worried about him being a tyrant and then you spend the rest of the time begging he would just like be a tired at least a little here yeah. yeah yeah i mean he's just not, that's why i don't i don't really care what now he'd he say it differently say. than what i just said he'd say they you know, abandoned uh you know the, the the greatest president who was the most popular ever i mean he would say it, trump would say what i just said in his own braggadocious way but when you stripped all of that frosting yeah. off it would be essentially what i said yeah just so, with his same own guy flavor. 
Same guy as always. Okay. Brad from East Tennessee wants to know, if what is happening to the United States is a judgment of God, do you think it is a sin if we actively oppose? We are both trained, equipped, and ready um, to uphold uh, the oath we took to the con- Constitution. Um, but should we, if this is from God? So this is actually an excellent question. What, what, what I sense you are asking, Brad, is, is what is the difference between enabling and persevering? Okay, and I think this is very important. Some of our very dear friends who are in an original small group and Noah's godparents had a son who years ago when he was younger was acting out terribly and um, with substances to the point that he got finally thrown in a jail cell in Nebraska and they got the call about it one night while we were at small group. Oh, and yeah, they yeah. immediately were going to jump in the car and, head, and drive over to Nebraska and bail him out. And the rest of our group literally blocked the door so that they could not do that. He had put that family through hell. He's a grown man now. You need to, he needs to eat some pig pods. You need to let him hit rock bottom. You're, you're enabling here. You're, letting, you're getting in the way of God disciplining him. Stop. By the way, that young man uh, is the pastor of a church now. Okay. That's actually the church, uh, one of the churches that my, my oldest daughter, Anastasia, her and her husband attend. Okay, so he needed to be broken. And he was. And, you know, it wasn't a very smooth, you know, um, lifetime Hallmark Christian movie conversion and everything was great after that. He's had struggles and challenges. But that moment of hitting rock bottom began him on the path that he is on now on the narrow road. So they were enabling him. All right. They were, they were, they were help. They were letting him in a way they were benefiting him for his poor choices. Now there's a difference though, between that and should they have abandoned their son altogether because of his struggles? Should they have said, come back when you're whole? We will teach you that God won't accept you just the way you are and try to repair you again. Fix yourself. And then God will realize that you're serious. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. They, that, no, that would be wrong too, because he is still their son. Meaning, was he out on the street homeless? Was he, was he in a, was he, was he in a, um, was he, was he dying on the side of the road and they said, Hey, because you're high, we're just going to leave you there. That would be bad. Yes. Yes. No, he broke the law. The uh, proper authorities arrested him. They were holding him accountable. The option was presented to bail him out rather than feel the full brunt of the accountability. That's different from abandoning their son whom they love. And we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So we do what is right. Or as Jesus put it, occupy until he comes. We do what is right, regardless of what is happening in the world around us. Even if they hate us, we do it. We, because we do it, we love them by doing what is right, because he first loved us. That we do. What we don't do, though, is enable it. We don't unnecessarily prop up 
their own lies, fallacies, constructs, frameworks. That we don't do. That's enabling. And that's another reason to get out of a, of, of a place that is completely overridden by the spirit of the age. You're the ones not breaking the law. You're the ones paying taxes. You're the ones keeping your property up. You're enabling it. It might collapse under its own weight if good people like you weren't the last remaining good citizens left of a forsaken land. Get the hell out. When you see the abomination of desolation, leave. Flee. But that's the difference between enabling and abandoning. And those are two totally different things. We saw Roe v. Wade get smashed right in front of our eyes this year. The ultimate shibboleth of the damned of many of our lifetimes. There is still good to fight for here. But it may require looking at things differently than you have in the past. I know this isn't popular. I know this won't be great for clicks. But since it might be true, I don't know that it is, but since it might be true, we should consider that the previous model we all got comfortable on and made a poop ton of money in my industry promoting, which is do not do, do not a damn thing, but just listen to our shows and buy our books and vote Republican in November, is dead. It's dead, like the Scott Jensen clip that we just played. Because per that previous letter writer, it was beige, man. Yes, it beige was AF. Beige. beige AF, if we're being honest, G. Yeah. Okay, beige AF. All right, beige as beige gets. So you have to ask yourself, is the way to in which I am not abandoning what is right, is the way I'm doing it, though, enabling what's bad? Enabling the darkness, empowering it. You have to ask yourself that too. For example, you might be in a marriage where the husband is abusive. Like my stepdad was. Maybe even more so though. Maybe sexually abusive. Really violating your children. You might think, I don't want to abandon the marriage. I don't want to abandon the marriage. I don't want to abandon the marriage. The, the, what you think is not abandoning the marriage, you're enabling this. Call the police. Have him arrested. He's a creep. Needs to be in prison. Can I share an example along Absolutely. those lines? Yes. Because it, the, the race back to beige, the race back to normal, the race back to comfort, the race back to the status quo. We've talked a lot about that regarding COVID, but it is it is absolutely paralyzing. Case in point, right here in our backyard. Steve, have you heard about this wrestling story up in Roland Story County? I have not, no. Sky School? It's, no. it's going on. A uh, Last year at some point, a... He's a high schooler who's now a junior, but and he as a freshman and a sophomore, he was a state champion wrestler. Wrestling is a big deal in this state. And as part of some sort of hazing thing, he sodomized a fellow male athlete mm. with a pencil. Mm, my goodness. How old is he? The the kid is the, who did it is now a junior. So he was 16 when the crime happened. So he should have been arrested and charged as well, an adult. And this happened. They pled it down to juvenile court. This just happened within the last uh, uh, couple of weeks. And uh, he uh, missed. Uh, he's right back in uh, to wrestling. 
and people were taking it up with the school board uh how, how on earth does this happen oh and they're, they're very generic we can't comment specifically because of confidentiality issues but we followed all of our policy and that this did not happen um at a school function and and humana 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 and finally one woman i don't know her politics what she thinks about anybody else but one woman on the board finally resigned to bring attention to this and she said this thing is getting railroaded and paraphrasing what she said we just wanted to rush back to beige as everybody was just trying right. to make this go away right. including the kid's parents because the parents weren't making any demands on this kid what you're not you're not going to wrestle so here, here's what here's what finally happened and this is to getting outside of your comfort zone what this kid now is not going to wrestle for the remainder of this year who brought it to a head? Well, instead of just accepting all of this, well, this is just how things go on, and this is happening up there, and they took care of their business, a team that this weekend, tomorrow, was supposed to wrestle them, Knoxville. I'm going to give them credit. I don't know. I don't know all your motivations, why you decided to do it, but you did the right thing. They said, we aren't showing up to this tournament. We're not wrestling that boy. That's how it's done. That's how, and, and that's what caused everybody yep. to say, we... We have to do something now. Yes, yes. And they got together. You became ungovernable yes. to the spirit of the yes. age. We will not comply. Yes. Yes. Now, this boy, again, like the boy you mentioned before, I hope he goes on to be a pastor. I agree. I hope he changes lives. He's not going to do that if you just give if him the easy there, road. getting cheered by the fans no. within a year. His, Absolutely. His parents not. wouldn't do it for him. So God bless the people down in Knoxville to a complete stranger who said, we're not going to be a part of this. And that's how more of you in all of your lives, and you get mad at me for saying it, if you're doing it, you're fine. But if you're not doing it, you gotta act. You can't just talk. You gotta act. That's a very encouraging story. And increases the odds that that young man will end up back on the yes. narrow road Pray again for that one boy. Day. He made a heinous because mistake. Because he clearly hasn't been broken. And he needs to be. Yes. He needs to be. And you know what? We all need to be to some extent. And one, before this happened, I forgot to mention it because this is the saddest part. Up until, so, you know, the boy that the crime was committed upon, that family transferred out of the district while everybody else just tried to rearrange the deck chairs. So the victim the, was made victim to be the pariah that had yes. to leave. Yeah. Yes. In, in, in the past... Not saying that this impulse is right either, by the way, but in the past, when we were a healthier society, it is the it is the family of that boy that would have had to leave, probably fearing their own safety yes. from their neighbors. Again, we're not here calling for posses or vigilanteism, but because that's not necessarily justice or prudent or biblical either. But at least it stems from an overzealousness of the right instinct, the kinds of instincts that keep the greatest society ever known to man together, mm -hmm. that actually make a country exceptional. All right. I'd much rather try to tether down that instinct yes. than try to coach up the stuff you're talking about, which is no, the victim moves out yeah. and that boy's back wearing the uniform, getting cheered by all his classmates and, and the parents again a year later. That's the stuff there really is no cure for. You can't, that's, as you and I like to say often on Twitter, that is death of the West kind of stuff right there. Thank you for that. Good stuff.
Also, good stuff, our friends over at Eden Pure, their best-selling thunderstorm air purifier that uses proven oxy technology that quickly destroys viruses, odors, mold, and so much more. That's why they've sold over a quarter of a million copies already, uh, and that's why they have so many five-star reviews. It's a fantastic product. It's filterless, so you'll never have to put the to pay for filters out of your own pocket or exchange them on your own as well. They come in packs of three. So you can use them in every level of your home or put them in one place in your home and then maybe somewhere else in your office. Or uh, I know I've talked to people that were renovating cottages or homes and couldn't get the musky smell out. So they put a unit in there, too, and it did wonderful work. All right. So find out why we've gotten so much positive feedback about this air purifier here this year. When you go to EdenPureDeals.com and use the discount code Steve3, that's EdenPureDeals.com and use the discount code Steve3. If you do, you'll You'll get all three units for under 200 bucks and free shipping. All three units for under 200 bucks and free shipping when you go to EdenPureDeals.com and use the discount code Steve3. Quickly, Richard says, first of all, he wishes us all a Merry Christmas. What are your thoughts on Carrie Lake as a potential VP in a general election for either Trump or even DeSantis? You guys have a quick thought on that? I'm not opposed to it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not opposed to it. I don't know what the argument for her is politically. Yeah. Okay. But you guys know. I. I just think there is a, a vat Aaron of unused potential, there. Yeah. Not opposed to it. I'm not really sure how you sell that either, Um, because other than running a campaign that, won, but again, <clears throat> election fortification got in the way of. I'm not really sure what the the broader appeal of her is. I would like to see her on that stage, though. I mean, of 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 the female loyalists who have run or are in elected office, you start thinking of. I mean, Carrie Lake or Elise Stefanik, if Trump is the nominee. You know what I'm trying to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. You know. Uh, Kate, Kate, Kate Upton or, uh, you know, uh, lunch lady. I mean, you, you know, with the hairnet. I mean, that's a pretty easy call. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, so you guys know, I, I think she might be the most gifted candidate I've ever seen, which is why I'm, I'm broken up that she's not going to be inaugurated next month. More feedback Friday in a moment. Want to remind you again about our friends over at Preborn. You know, this time of year, we're you're more than any other time of year. We're looking for worthy causes uh, to donate to, and there aren't too many causes more worthy than the cause of life. And before the overturning of Roe, and now with the overturning of Roe, this has kind of become a street fight. Now, you know, it's we're not fighting this out as much in you know courts of public opinion or courts of law as much as we're fighting it out on the streets now. Crisis pregnancy, mom-to-mom, hand-to-hand combat with the enemy, with the spirit of the age. They were already doing that at Preborn. Long before the shibboleth of Roe was smashed, they were already there. So they are uniquely positioned to pick up this fight where it's going to rage the hottest. They don't just 
save babies by showing moms the ultrasounds of their children. But they also love the mamas as well. All kinds of uh, maternity care from diapers to counseling to clothes and more. And all of it free for up to two years because of donations from people like us. If you would like to support such a worthy cause, just dial pound 250, uh, pound 250, uh, say the keyword baby on your phone. Or if this is easier, uh, just donate securely at preborn.com slash Steve. That's preborn.com slash Steve. Now, we don't, I, as a quick aside, we, we don't typically have double ups with a partner on the show. You know, uh, two live reads of the same partner in the show. And almost every time in my career when we've had that, it's because I made a mistake and forgot to do their live read the day before. <laughs> and we had to make up for it. Okay. This is the not one of those times. And they didn't ask for this, but I'm going to do it anyway, okay? Because um, Wayne and our friends over at Tyga Coolers did something I've never seen in my career. They donated their last live read of the year on the show to Preborn. Nice. And that's why we just did a second Preborn ad on the show. So you know what I'm going to do, man? I'm going to give, I'm going to give them a shout out anyway. If I remember right, the website, isn't it tigacoolers.com? Yeah, let me put up the lower uh, third here. T-A-I-G-A for tigacoolers.com. Just first class people, man. And they have a they, they make first class coolers. All right. So tigacoolers.com. Use the promo code Steve to get 10% off at tigacoolers.com and use the promo code Steve. So thanks to Wayne and the team over there for that. That's pretty cool oh, stuff, man. May his house increase. Amen. Amen. Now, since we were just talking about it here, did you see this breaking news while we were on the show an hour ago? A ruling has been made in the Cary Lake lawsuit against Maricopa County in regards to ballot inspection. The judge has granted, in part, Lake's request to analyze ballots as follows. And so, so some form of standing. The yeah. court has granted her some form of standing. That's the first immediate threshold. Can you get that? Because the spirit of the age doesn't want, clear, right. doesn't want clarity of any kind. So... I had not seen that. This is uh, the first I've heard of it. So there you go. That would, that, uh, and maybe she's full of it, man. Maybe she is. Let's find out. But let's find out. Let's find out. Who's afraid of the truth? Liars. Kevin Christensen writes, it appears so many people equate our salvation through Christ when he was an adult man. Exclusively, They seem to forget that Jesus started the salvation of man as an embryo, that that's when it all began. It makes me think, what if Mary would have had an abortion? It seems a crazy thought, yet Christ as an embryo strengthens the belief in God's blessing of how sacred life is. Am I off base here? No. <laughs> no, you're not. You want to talk crisis pregnancies, man. All right, so my mom's 14 had sex with her high school senior boyfriend and she's living with my Nana who's twice divorced with five kids from two different marriages in the white trash part of town with her parents. That's kind of scandalous for 1972, 1973, 1974, right? Okay. You want to talk crisis pregnancy. Be an unmarried Jewish girl almost the exact same age be an unmarried Jew Jewish girl, almost the exact same age, who is betrothed to another man. And so under Jewish custom, they are married in every way except the family way. So she is to behave as if fidelity is already in place. 
under the law. And oh, by the way, if she were to fail under the law, whose law? God's. If she were to fail under the law, the community would be within their divine right to stone her. That's a crisis pregnancy. <laughs> All right. That's a crisis pregnancy. And that's, that's the pregnancy of our Lord. So no, Kevin, you're not off base at all, dude. You've actually done the proper math here. You've, you've actually made a very logical conclusion. You're not off base at all. Very well said. This is the premise, and I've mentioned it on the show before, of a great Christmas song, and I haven't heard this one yet, but it's 2,000 Decembers Ago. Was anyone, the lyrics, was anyone able to look at the stable and not see a child but a king? I wish I could hear back over the years as heaven and nature sing. Hmm. That moment, that embryo, there was a symphony in the cosmos because that was the alpha and the omega going on uh, right there. So, of course not. I mean, this is, there's the, the greatest truths that uh, Ricky Bobby ever spoke is that he loves baby Jesus version of Christmas. <laughs> followed. Or, or baby Jesus version of Jesus. Followed by, and it's a distant second. If you ain't first, you're last. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Dana says, if you could go back to your 18-year-old male self, knowing what you know now, can you think of any books and or movies you would tell yourself to read and watch? I have four adult children. I am desperately trying to keep them all strong in our Catholic faith and help them understand what time it is. My youngest is heading off to his second semester of freshman year away at school soon. I'd love to send him with a good book or a couple of movies to focus on. I will tell you, um, for me, it would be Lord of the Rings. I was loosely familiar with it. I was a huge Led Zeppelin fan growing up. I, I knew that there were some weird lines, you know, Golem, the evil one crept up and slipped away with her that, you know, I'm like, what does that mean? It was like Lord of the Rings references and several other songs. Okay. But it really wasn't until Peter Jackson's. And I, I watched the Hobbit cartoons with that funky yeah, yeah. big faced uh, animation when we were kids. Right. Okay. But I, I really didn't come to understand the richness of Tolkien's storytelling here uh, with until the advent of Peter Jackson's trilogy, you know, and then I just became embroiled in it. And um, I think I'd probably start there actually with my 18 year old self, because it would resonate with me. I'm, I'm big into fantasy and those kind as of, I was as a kid. And so I, th I think that those themes of courage and valor and sacrifice, um, I, I wish I had, more of that in my life when I was at that age. And I think that those could have been the stories to maybe uh, fill in some of those gaps for me. Yeah. I mean, you, 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 I dare you to, but I dare you to do better to quote Admiral Pike. Uh, I, yeah, assuming that's fiction. Did he explicitly say fiction or no, did she you did just not. go that? I yeah. wanted to make yeah. sure. Or it could be yeah. a she, I guess. I don't yeah. know if it's a mom I mean, or a dad. Uh, that's on the book. One of the coolest things that happened after any show we ever did uh, was when somebody, uh, we did, uh, I think it was one of the evergreens, and we each recommended three or four books mm -hmm. that were must-reading, mm -hmm. and then somebody sent us a picture. They ordered all 10 of the books in a stack, and they sent us a picture of them and that they were going to get reading on them. So to the, if we could, if we still have that list available, that's a good start.
those 10 books that we did the evergreen on. It's got to be in our archives, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I've still got it. Those just stay there forever on the, on the podcast page. Mm-hmm. So you scroll past, go through enough pages. You'll come to that episode eventually. Mm-hmm. Yep. Lewis writes, my daughter is trying to get her husband to watch a film with a Christian message. The only film she could think of was Fireproof. Good film, but there's others. I was trying to find a list of Christian films that you would recommend. Her husband recently told her that he didn't believe the Bible because it was written by men. Perhaps you should watch The Passion. It's a tremendous film. I would highly recommend it. I don't know. This has been kind of a shock to our family. Um, but uh, do you have any suggestions? Well, I love Father Stu, man. It, it still might rate the best movie I've seen so far this year. It was number one on my list at the halfway point of the year. Now, the language is rough, brother. Okay. But... It might. It sounds like it might be rough for you where you're at in life, Lewis. Maybe not for your um, your son-in-law. Okay, but I would recommend that. A couple of other movies I would recommend. There was a fantastic movie done about the crucifixion with Joseph Vines about seven or eight years ago called Risen. That is very very well done. I would highly recommend that. Um, I agree with you on uh, the Passion. I would uh, highly recommend that. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting something. Or maybe a couple of others that I suggest a lot. Uh, you have any other suggestions you guys want to throw in there? Uh, I can't. I know you love the movie. I can't remember what it was called, but it's about the the um, the movie about uh, William Wilberforce. Oh, oh yeah. Amazing Grace! Amazing. Oh, it was called. Of course, it's yes. called the most yeah. obvious thing. It should be. Yeah, yeah. that's an excellent that's movie. A, I hadn't thought about that movie in a few years, but yeah. that movie is excellent. Yeah. yeah, that's an excellent movie as well. Um, and I mean, I I would argue that what we were just discussing Lord of the Rings is heavy with biblical allegory. The ring is symbolic of human nature. It, it, it can't be, it can't be rehabilitated has to be cast into a fire, like a refiner's fire, right? The amount of sacrificial, um, uh, love that occurs within those stories. Uh, Sauron who once appeared, uh, at, you know, uh, as, as a being of light and then unveils himself or is that Morgoth his predecessor? I can't remember. Then reveals himself to be, uh, a, you know, a, a being of the dark, like a Lucifer. I mean, both the, both Tolkien and Lewis with Narnia wrote, wrote storylines that are thick with biblical allegory. So, I mean, I would, I would recommend those as well. I think that that's a good list to get mm-hmm. started from. And then sometime next year, I'll recommend a movie to you. That'll kick him right in the balls, brother. Okay. That will get his attention. Um, yesterday I mentioned, I, can I close on a personal note? Do you guys mind if I do that? It's your show. show. Um, yesterday I, I was informed. You guys know that I had to go to Dallas, the audience. This time that you guys is you guys in the audience. You know, I went to Dallas and I had some important screenings for Nefarious while I was down there. Uh, the first day was screening it for our colleagues, some of our colleagues here at the Blaze and our management here. And the second day was also a very important screening um, that I guess, how, how have I described it before? One of the more connected individuals in the motion picture industry. Is that a fair? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, description. That individual sent my contact that connected me with him. He sent my contact a follow-up note about Nefarious yesterday. Here's what it said, and I quote, 
I am still thinking about Nefarious. That movie is a dark and heavy masterpiece. Unquote. Those were his exact words. And this guy has seen and been a part of a few movies, including major movies you would know. So, Lewis, next year, I will recommend for prodigal son-in-laws like yours, okay, that need to, that, that need uh, a good foot broken off in their backside, know what time it is, need to be broken, mm-hmm. this movie will do it. This, if you, if you know someone that needs to be broken, I have the film for you <laughs> because this film will do it. Thoughts? I'm not surprised. Uh, if you can, listen, that these people you're talking about getting as far as they have in this industry, they sometimes they see the stuff that's just, they know it's going to be making money. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily for the greatest of reasons, mm-hmm. but, you know, this is show business kind of thing. And then they know the stuff that's, wow. Meaningful, purposeful. Yeah. And when they find both of them together, mm-hmm. in one, which is why I didn't know that exact quote, but I obviously know the details of everything else you're talking about. This is why I made my prediction earlier today that this is a, a top 10 uh, movie uh, for next year because the pieces are coming together. Now, it's not done yet. It's trending that way, though. I watched Uncharted the other night. I think that came out this year. Yeah, Tom February. Holland. Yeah, it's a fun movie. It's a fun movie. Yeah. Stories, okay. Yeah. But it was like, the movie was like, it was just put together by a focus group, at least visually, I uh, I thought. You know, it was great. Kind of a hodgepodge but it was, of what it, it was, tropes people love. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that was fine. Cool. Fun. Would I watch a sequel? Maybe. I, I don't know. You don't get that at all. It is it is unique with Nefarious. And even the second time watching the final, final cut um, last Friday. Was that last Friday? Last Friday. Yeah. They are more opportunities for me to think about some of the dialogue and some of the lines that are dropped. And there's one that I really wish that I could drop that I, I can't right now, but it's so perfectly, and I'll tell you after the year, so perfectly summarizes Scott Jensen hmm. at the, uh, at the beginning of this show today. So perfectly summarizes him. And there's going to be a lot of those. There's going to be a lot of those. We're going to be quoting this movie about as much as Lord of the Rings or star Wars, or maybe even Marvel, uh, come whenever it's released next year. That would be my, I should have probably saved that for my big prediction of the of the new year. In fact, I will, nobody take that. I like it so much, I'll let you say it again. I, don't, okay. I, don't, I won't okay. stop you. But um, our, I think our culture in, in, in mass, you know, we've talked before about why we have so many iterations of Batman and we haven't had a Superman movie for 10 years. And, and it, it, it's because can our culture just identify with the level of, idealistic altruism that Superman represents as opposed to the broken vessel of the 10 year old boy who watched his parents murdered in cold blood in crime alley. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And, and that frankly, 
most of us come from a shattered upbringing like that far more than from the American Gothic painting of parents who loved us in Smallville, Kansas. And we just can't resonate with, with, with the all-powerful, almost Christ-like being who in Man of Steel goes to see a priest before determining whether it's time now to unveil himself to the world. Okay? That's just hard for us to resonate because I think as a society, we feel unworthy of that level of heroism as opposed to the, the vigilante in the shadows. We think that's probably more what we deserve. And that's what Nolan said. Not the hero we need, but the hero we deserve. Right? Okay? Um, and, and I think that's what nefarious is going to be. To go back to what we just said about... So I don't know that our culture can in mass embrace Aslan and Frodo. I don't know that they can I, I, Aragorn's selflessness, really, valor. I I think I think we might need spanked first, and nefarious is taken off his belt. That'll do it for this week. Back at it again on Monday. Until then, John three seventeen. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.